We are live. Welcome to the Golf Podcast Live. I'm your host, Raphael Calamat. I'm in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, which is in the GTA at uh, our studio space, which is Mindshare Workspace alongside Michael Bleakley, who's in Vancouver at the ECS Pod Studio at his agency. We've got a great show this week. Um, not only is he a golfer, not only is he a, an instructor, but he is one of the most renowned photographers in the golf biz today. Uh, with us today is photographer Evan Schiller. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. This is great. Excited. Absolutely, Evan. I uh, appreciate cool. you joining us and look forward to uh, chatting with you today. Well, one Absolutely. of the first things we always start with, Evan, is how you get how you got started in golf. Uh, we like to take our, our listeners and our viewers back to how everything got started. Uh, <laughs> so how did you get involved in golf and how did that lead you to photography? Wow. Um, so my my father played a, a, a bit of golf. <laughs> And it was probably because of him that I got into it. He was, um, he never did it professionally, but I'd say, you know, maybe he was a nine or 10 handicap at best. And he would take me to the driving range. And um, he tells this story that we, we went up somewhere in upstate New York in the mountains and we were at this clinic one day and this pro was out there hitting balls. And I don't know how old I was, maybe three or something. And, this is people all gathered around him and he'd hit the ball and out of the audience would be this little voice go whack, whack. Every time we did it, my father would go, shh, shh, Evan, shh. Right. So that was probably my first introduction to golf. Um, you know, he would take me to the range would take me to the course. Uh, you know, sometimes we went on some golf trips and that's how I got started. And then, you know, I started playing on my own. I played in high school uh you know i went out for the high school team then i went to college played college golf um mm -hmm. turned pro um played mini tours i even qualified for some tour events i played over in europe a little bit um you know got i went to south africa i'm looking at your bag your bag there international yeah <laughs> played the south african tour a couple of years um, yeah right and i was um God, how did this lead into photography? I was, my mother had bought me a camera because she was a pretty good photographer, not professionally. My father was, um, you know, a semi-professional, you know, movie maker. He yeah. was, mm. um, I don't know, I wouldn't even say semi-professional, it was just for fun. But he had a bunch of people he worked with. And my mother bought me a camera. I would start taking pictures on our trips to wherever we'd go. And um, I remember I was out in California in the, the California desert played in the California open, yeah. which was in August. It was at the uh, dinosaur course at mission Hills and the mountain course at La Quinta resort. I played it. Yes. And it was the hottest weather I had ever been in. I remember driving down um, highway 111. There was a little sign that says 120 degrees. And I said, what the, <laughs> where are we? Yeah. Um, so we played a tournament after a tournament was finished, somebody said, you know, there's a new course that just opened up down the street. You guys should go play it. And it happened to be the stadium course at PJ West. It just, it mm. had just opened. Yeah. There was nothing out there. Um, Hank Haney, I think was teaching out there. I mean, the pro shop was in a trailer. Was that in the mid eighties you'd say? Yeah, was that it was like 86, 87. And before the housing developments were, oh my in, God, there was assuming, no, there right? was models, there was yeah. models out there. That was it. Yeah, but nothing. It was a golf course in sand, yeah. and the mm. models, and the model. That was it. Maybe there was a few of the original landmark guys uh, houses that were built right across the lake on the um, 18th hole. Yeah. Um. So we played. I remember coming to the ninth hole and looking down at this scene the whole hole goes right towards the mountains so you had mm -hmm. this it's not even a dog it wasn't really a dog leg but it kind of wrapped itself around the water and there was a sand trap that ran and then there was this lake and the water was dead still and there was a perfect reflection of the mountain in the lake 
the hole is actually called reflection. And mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have cell phones then. And I thought, wow, I wish I could have, I wish I had a camera because this is right. amazing. Yeah. So I went home, got a camera and started taking it with me and yeah. started taking pictures for kicks, um, hanging them on my wall, giving them to my friend. Then, you know, fast forward a few years later, I was working as an assistant uh, professional at Westchester Country Club. And, you know, one of my buddies said, you know, we should put these up in the shop and sell them. And I thought, well, that was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's going to buy these? And, you know, the Buick Classic was there. So we put them up during the tournament and they started selling. Yeah. Great. And that's, uh, that was a start. You know, then I did it at a couple other clubs and one thing led to another. And yeah, here we are. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. I noticed in your, um, younger years you were a teammate of woody austin is that correct you're you're pretty tight with woody uh, um, what, what was that like? i don't know how tight i was but <laughs> we were on the, actually we we're on the same team at uh my university of miami in florida yeah um yeah actually nathaniel crosby was on that team as well yeah mm. uh woody you know um yeah we had a collection of characters so yeah yeah woody's the only one who went on to you know, make it on the tour. I know a yeah. few of them tried. I mean, I, I think Nathaniel played in Europe for a year. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, very cool. How many clubs did Woody toss around in his collegiate years? Uh, you know, was he a little wilder then before he got on tour? Or? Uh, oh, yeah. He <laughs> he would, you know, when we play, we always wear shorts. Then. He would hit his, he would miss a putt and he would hit his thigh so hard with his hand, it sounded like a gunshot. I mean, he would just <laughs> slap his thigh. Yeah. In fact, it was, uh, I think it was a couple of years later, I was playing in this mini tour event with um, Nolan Henke, who was went to Florida State. He played yeah. on the tour. Nolan was one of the better college players at the time. We were playing, actually, we were playing somewhere and we were sitting down to lunch afterwards. And he asked me, he goes, You went to Miami? Yeah. You Miami, didn't you? He says, Yeah. He was a little younger than I was. And he goes, you were there with Woody. He goes, yeah. He goes, he starts laughing. So he tells the story of Woody playing the NCAAs uh, one year with, he was playing with Woody and Woody misses a putt. You know, he was playing really well, Woody, and he misses a putt like in the 17th or 18th hole. And he stood there and you could see him just start to bubble up. He was like steaming so hot and no, no one's looking i'm just wondering what he's going to do and woody would wear glasses and he takes his fist and he hits himself in the head like, <laughs> Bam! Oh. <laughs> and he said he hit himself so hard this is what no he just hit himself so hard his knees buckled i thought he was going down <laughs> you know what evan everybody knows the uh the famous uh, or seen the famous uh, shot of him bending his putter over his head or oh, fall or yeah. falling into the water on 15 at the president's cup and becoming Aquaman. Oh, yeah. Right. So there's, he's got his moments. Uh, certainly. Oh, yeah. So you, oh, yeah. I saw him bend a few putters, <laughs> <laughs> but you've played, you've played a little bit of golf yourself, uh, some qualifiers. Yeah. It was a different world back then. Money wasn't as large, uh, you know, with a lot of characters on the game, a lot of unique swings, uh, oh, yeah. people getting it around the course uh, how many events did you actually try to qualify or did you play in on the pga tour in the 80s i tried to qualify for a bunch i mean i i mean i guess i did pretty well in those it was a monday qualifier you know where they had yeah. you yeah. know 100 120 guys would tee it up and then they'd have four spots although i don't I don't even know if they have those anymore. Or yeah, they, they do on a lot of events. They got pre-qualifiers though. So it's gonna, it takes a couple of stages before you can get to that. Spot. Yeah, it was just, I mean, back then it was, you know, you pay a hundred bucks and you'd show up and, you know, there was anywhere between 80 and 150 guys and they had four spots. And yeah, I probably made it qualified. I want to say seven or eight of those. Wow. Great. You That's know, pretty good. That's yeah, a big it, accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is. Yeah. It was, I don't, you know, I was just, you know, there was a Brian, there was a guy named Brian Tennyson and I, he, I, he's the only one I know of who got in more than I did because yeah. he would like every week getting in. But yeah, I just knew that. Okay. You know, what the heck you, you got to shoot either, you know, you got to shoot 67 or less 
or 68, depending on the course, 67 or less. So we got nothing. I mean, to me, it was got nothing to lose. Right. Yeah. And those and, days were you know, different. You probably had to hold a job. You were, uh, you were an instructor as well. You know, there wasn't any way of just devoting, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week on golf. Yeah. On, I mean, uh, I did. Tuning I up I, your game. Yeah, I did. That's what I was doing. I was just playing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was That's lucky. Fantastic. Yeah, I was lucky to have sponsors and I was, that's what I was doing. I was playing mini yeah. tours and I played amazing CPA tour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those, yeah, there was, but you know, in those qualifiers, it was probably, you know, if there was a hundred guys, there was probably only, I mean, my guess was 25 who had a chance. Yeah. They basically had to be 25 guys. Cause a lot of guys, you know, I mean, I played with guys who would shoot 85 and you'd say, you know, you had a, you're supposed to have a two handicap, I think, but you know, as you know, look at them. Like, right. you <laughs> well, I know people <laughs> who have fudged their caps to get into oh. qualifiers, oh, like, yeah. you know, okay. but uh, when you enter as a five cap uh, in reality, uh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna qualify. <laughs> no. And so, yeah, those were, you know, they were fun. You drive around to them and you know, you know, it's like one day and just you let her fly. Yeah. Oh, it sounds fun. It sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Yeah. I guess that your love for photography and, and, you know, playing all these different courses, because we've all had those moments and we're lucky enough to have cell phones now where you could just, you know, take that pick when you see, yeah. you know, a great moment when the sun's coming down, the lights just right, or the shadows are falling over onto the fairway or you got the waves crashing in uh, on a golf course. So uh, I could really, uh, um, understand where you're coming from and so and where, when did that come into play uh where you actually made the the big career change in photography because your work is pretty well known right now i know uh, most people in the golfing community know who evan schiller is for photography yeah um i don't know if there was any one mo- i mean that one moment i told you at pj west um that was a defining moment. Um, but the, you know, as far as growing the business, it happened gradually. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, um, I was working at clubs and then I was actually, um, doing some, I was doing some teaching with, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Fred Shoemaker and extraordinary golf, the school for extraordinary golf. So I've worked a number of years with Fred. Um, and I was, you know, some of that and photography and, you know, the, all along the, the photography business, just, gradually grew Mm -hmm. and it just started transitioning away from playing and teaching or coaching uh to the photography you know it was a kind of it was a gradual thing is there any courses that stand out in 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 uh for for photography that you have favorites And, and comparatively do you have favorites that you like to play um yeah um bandon dune is always a wonderful trip yeah, uh, it's just you know, to me, it's the premier golf, you know, destination in the mm-hmm. world. I mean, and I'm not talking about going to a country or something like that. I'm talking about you know, like one spot, you know, one spot, because I mean, it's pretty tough to top what they have there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't been yet, but uh, so I've seen a lot of pictures, heard a lot of uh, amazing stories. So yeah. it, it's it's uh, it's near the top of the bucket list, and will happen soon. Yeah, I mean, it's they have five, you know, essentially top hundred golf courses plus, yeah. you know, one of the best par three courses in the world. Um, you know, Pebble's always beautiful. Uh, I'm actually going down uh, next week to a place I really love going to, and that's Union League National in uh, yeah. South Jersey. The uh, uh, Dana Fry and Jason Straka have basically taken what used to be called Sand Barrens. Yeah. In, in, I don't know if you know, South Jersey is pretty flat, um, you know, like Florida flat. And mm-hmm. They just took this place. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Calusa Pines in Florida, but no. they created Calusa Pines on steroids north. Mm. I mean, they yeah. just moved a bunch of dirt and created all these ridges, and it's it's really amazing. In fact, I, I sent you guys a photo, one of the photos I sent. Oh, good. There. Um, I always just love going there because I just think it's it's amazing what they did there. I mean, I know some people may not like it because they say, Oh, it's artificial. They move so much dirt, but um, it's very cool. I mean, in, you know, when it grows in and 
you know, over the next five to 10 years, you're not even going to be able to tell, you know, it's going to seem like it, it was just here like this. Yeah. That's oh, incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Evan Schiller, a world renowned golf photographer. You can take a look at his work on evanschillerphotography.com. Evan, I got a question for you. We're both Canadian and there's so much great golf out here. We've got over 2,200 golf courses in Canada, you know, per capita outside of Japan, we used to be the, the most, uh, you know, populated golf course country in the world. Um, wow. So what do you think of Canadian golf courses? Do you have any favorites here? I know you've uh, done some photography for Cabot. Yep. Yeah. Also, tell us about uh, your experience with Canadian golf courses and uh, some favorites out here. Well, I've, I've been up to the Maritimes a number of times. Um, yeah, to Cabot, but I've also been to Prince Edward Island. Um, it's just a beautiful part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um I, just, I remember dry, I drove up to Cabot one time. I, I've been up there what, three times, I think, and I've flown once and drove the other two. And, you know, when I went up there, it was, I think, a late September and the you know, leaves were turning. It was beautiful. I mean, that's become one of the premier golf destinations in the world. Yeah. Um, I think they just got whacked by that hurricane. They did. Yeah. Um, you know, I my first thought when I was on uh, Cabot Links, the original, the first course there, um, I thought, I said to my wife, I said, you know, if somebody could drop you here out of a plane and ask you where you were, and you wouldn't mm. know that you were in the Maritimes of Canada. I mean, right. you could be in Scotland. <laughs> it yeah. had that kind of feel to it. Um, Cabot Cliffs is a whole other story. I mean, it's, I mean, the, the setting is just fabulous. Uh, you know, it's, you know, I think it's one of Coor and Crenshaw's better courses, best course. I mean, they haven't done any bad ones, but that's, that's a really, it's a great one. And then, yeah. you know, out West, uh, Grey Wolf. In, uh, yeah, I played it. Yeah, that's just like, <laughs> so as far as scenery, it's off the charts. I mean. You've been out to Banff Springs as well? Yeah, I mean, you guys have three of the most spectacular par threes in the world in Canada. And that's the 16th at Cabot Cliffs. I think it's the sixth at Grey Wolf and the, the fourth at BAM. Fourth, fourth at 13th. Banff. I know they flipped it one year, once, but yeah. they might have flipped it. It's the fourth at BAM. There's yeah, the fourth. Three of the most. And the 10th yeah. and the 10th hole. Yeah. 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 There are three of the most spectacular par threes in the world. Yeah. In I played Grey Wolf last year and, um, I didn't score well, but uh, what a beautiful property that yeah, was. I, mean, I fully just, enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, there are many now, golf courses we can go to when you can't, um, you can't, you don't see really a road or a house or, you know, you don't see much. Yeah. Well, we can appreciate that as golfers. Uh, you know, there are beautiful courses around housing developments, but, you know, uh, it's nice just to be out there in nature and, oh, yeah. uh, and, and appreciate that and not be distracted by, uh, by construction. Um, you, what, what do you have coming up? You said you have a couple trips coming up, uh, what courses are yeah. you shooting? And, um, uh, well, I've got my, I've got something every week from now until the middle of November. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this week, actually tomorrow I'm going out to Long Island to, shoot southward ho it's on the south shore of long island next week um heading down to union league national Mm -hmm. uh the week after i'm actually going to florida to shoot benita bay they just did a a renovation and they're going to reopen um actually a few days after i'm there and i'm hoping that hurricane doesn't just completely destroy the place It's going to hit right near there. Oh, geez. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, the week after that, I go to Mississippi to um, Mossy Oak. It's a Gil yeah. Hans course. Uh, and then from there out to California, um, it's a couple courses. Well, one is the, the Preserve in Carmel. Yeah. Um, and maybe Quail Lodge. Um, then home for a few days and back out to Texas to uh, PJ Frisco. It's, I don't know if it's the new PJ headquarters course. I mean, at yeah. 30 souls, they got an Omni hotel. They got the PJ moved their headquarters out there. Uh, 
36 holes. I got a par three course, amazing practice facilities. And then from there back to Florida, uh, to Boca, to Broken Sound. Jeez, you're traveling yeah. more than a tour player. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I know. <laughs> what's it look like um, when you go to a course and you're planning your shots? Because, uh, you know, um, to, to um, get art like this, you're not just showing up with a camera and winging it. So right. uh, what, what are you doing to prepare yourself and plan your shots? Uh, uh, and how long do you typically spend at a golf course to, 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 uh, to get a satisfied uh, photography? Uh, you know what? I'm really glad you asked that question because I was just speaking with my wife the other day and we're putting together our next blog post. Mm -hmm. and I wanted it to be about that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. what goes into it because you just don't show up and take pictures. I know some people have the, think that I just go around, you know, I go travel around taking pictures. Um, and I mean, yes, but no, because all the, all the courses I shoot, I've been hired to shoot by the, you mm -hmm. know, the course and then they use them for their you know marketing social media prints, yeah. so generally it starts you know with the course contacting me and making a request and then we have some back and forth to find out what they want um and then i send them a contract but you know prior to my arriving i always ask them you know have you consulted with the superintendent mm, you know, yeah. about this? because you know, they have stuff, you know, because sometimes they don't always tell, he's like, they're like the last person to know sometimes, not all the time. Yeah. You know, because they may have some kind of maintenance going on. Uh, yeah, they might be aerating the greens or it's uh, <laughs> aerating or top dressing <laughs> yeah. or, you know, they're doing some bunker work, you know, something. I said, yeah. you met best, you know, to kind of, to communicate with them and find out what they think is the best time. Smart. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And because they're, because they, first of all, they like to know. And second of all, they, yeah, they want to, many of them want to get the course ready. Um, but after, you know, the dates are set and the contract is signed, the most important part, the most important person at that point is the superintendent. Because mm -hmm. I have to coordinate with him on a daily basis. You know, I just spoke to two of them this morning. Yeah. Just trying to, you know, this shoot I have this week, they, you know, I was supposed to do it today, but they had a re they had an outing that was rescheduled, so they got the course for the whole day. So we said, let's do it tomorrow. You know, but they have the a women's um, invitational, so now we have to. They have a shotgun at eight o'clock on Tuesday and Wednesday morning. So now we have to. Okay, how do we, you know, maneuver on that? Because he's got to mow. You know, he's got to mow the course. I got to shoot, and I can't just go out there and hope that you know. Well his guys are going to be all over the place and there's dew. And so now they've driven all over the course and there's, you know, tracks from them driving yeah. all over. <laughs> yeah. Um, or there's guys on holes I want to shoot. So I'm always coordinating with the superintendents um, and being, the, you know, considered of their work. So we work together very closely. Um, for instance, the, like, like say on Tuesday, I go shoot and I get done Tuesday night you know, if I go back, like I just shoot, I just came back from last week. I get back to my hotel. I call the superintendent and I say, here's what I'm thinking for the morning. Um, you know, last week was great because the course wasn't too busy and they didn't have anybody teeing off. Um, um, so I just would say to him, okay, here's the holes I think I want to shoot in the morning. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's you know, like a handful, like six and, uh, He'll say, okay, great. So what's, if there's time allowed, mm -hmm. uh, time allows, he'll have his guys go out and mow those holes, which he did. Yeah. He had them go out and mow the hole, mow the fairway, mow the green, uh, you know, make sure his guys are just, you know, if they're cutting the fairway, they're just staying in the fairway and not making tracks in the rough if they can. Or Yeah, because yeah, it, it really re it reflects on them as well, on what yeah. their work, you know, consists of. You know, if you got your members or ownership of the golf course, or even if it's uh, state-owned or, or it's you know uh, city-owned, uh, they're looking at it, why does it look this way? Who's in charge of the fairways or the greens or the the water looking the way it does? So yeah. uh, you know it's really important that communication sounds vital. Yeah, it is. Or you know if they don't have time to mow, what they do is you know to if there's a lot of dew and then sometimes that doesn't look good, they'll you know maybe run some water to knock off the dew. 
Right. Well, yeah. You know, if he has to get the greens done, that's okay. Well, here's the time I think I want to start shooting and here's the holes I want to do. It's okay that he'll send his guys out there first, mow it, run some water to get rid of the tracks. And so yeah. there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of communicating that I have yeah. to do every day. But well, people don't realize uh, the detail that goes into uh, photography, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've had clients with my business, so, you know, hire us to come out and it might be a, say a house that's just been constructed and, there's plastic wrap on the door and the pool doesn't have water in it. And it's like, well, we can't shoot this today. <laughs> yep. so, yeah, exactly. uh, right. So, and, and to get a finished product, like, you know, what's uh, uh, you know, available on your site and what most golfers have seen your work, whether they know your name or not, they've probably seen your work online or in pro shops, but uh, the, the level of detail that goes into accomplishing uh, sh- shots like this uh uh, it takes a lot of preparation. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that brings me up to my next question, Evan. You know, you, you've got an award-winning calendar. I don't know if you still do that. I remember the, uh, the yeah. calendar. And how do you get to choose which pictures you're going to put in there? Because that must be tough as well, because you have all this work. And who do you want to really uh, put on a pedestal and, and, and show uh, their golf course? Uh, so what does that process look like? Um. <clears throat> No, no. Um, yeah, in fact, I just got done choosing the photos for the 2023 calendar. Right. Um, yeah, I, um, you know, sometimes during the year, there'll be a shot that I just know, okay, this one's going in the calendar or this one, yeah. you just know. So, you know, throughout the year, you know, I got a folder for calendar photos, so I'll just throw it in the folder, right? Um, and then there's some, you know, I may have to go back from last year, but, you know, this year's, this year, I should say next year's calendar, you know, most of the photos were taken last year or this year. Yeah. Um, and I, th- there's most of them are pretty recent. Um, so I just, I try to have a nice mix from around the country or abroad, depending on, mm-hmm. you know, where I've been or what I've featured yeah. before. Um, you know, I shoot a lot of courses in the Northeast, so I don't like to have an over an abundance of them, but it's nice. Yeah. Right. There's always one or two. Yeah, yeah. Spread it Uh, around a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I just choose, you know, courses I like, shots I like. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, this, I just, this shot, this shoot I did last week in Tennessee at um, a place called Richland Country Club, which is this beautiful spot. I mean, I had heard of it, but it's, you know, it's one of the nicer, I mean, it's one of the nicer courses in Nashville or in Tennessee. It's just fabulous. Bill Bergen, golf course architect, just did a renovation there. And there was a shot I got of the ninth hole. I was like, I got to put this in the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. happens I by, one, I would think it happens by coincidence, right? Because the lighting's just right. You know, the weather, you know, it might be uh, dusk or dawn. Yeah. yeah, there there might be just that that those colors in the sky that are just right, and the yeah. right cloud formation and everything. There's so many variables. Yeah, and it's also yeah, and it was just beautiful. The light was great, and in in addition, that hole is it's a brand new hole. They actually flipped it. It used to go the other way, and they flipped yeah. it around to go back. You know, it used to, I think uh, it used to be the first or the tenth hole, and now they just flipped it around and made the ninth hole. So the green yeah. is where the tee used to be, and the, um, so yeah, I just thought it was. So how did uh, the uh, introduction of the drone uh, improve your photography and uh, you know, your capabilities? Like uh, it's pretty when you watch golf uh, on tv now and now that they yeah. have drone action on uh, on the broadcast it, we see a beautiful perspectives uh, that yeah. were uh, were never available before so tell us about that and how it impacted your business well it's i mean it's been a game changer yeah you know previously you would use uh bu- you know a bucket truck or a lift or a very big ladder yeah. um, helicopters yeah helicopters if you could but you're always limited with helicopters in certain areas you know there's like shooting pebble beach with a helicopter you couldn't go lower than 500 feet right Right. um so and you know i mean you can't you couldn't fly a helicopter you know in most places just over the trees 
Yeah. And, you know, I remember being on certain shoots, um, you know, you have a lift or a bucket truck and, you know, they could swing you out a certain amount, but you know, it was like, God, if I could get out over that lake and shoot over, you know, this way, that would be really yeah. great, which couldn't do oh, God, helicopter, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's just, it's just, it's replaced a, a, la a ladder lift helicopter, although you can only go, you know, you, you legally can't go higher than 400 feet. That's right. Not everybody, you know, abides by that. Um, so it's, it's, you know, all of those in one and then mm -hmm. some, you know, because you can get to places and spots, you know, whether it's 10 feet off the ground or 20, or you need to get behind a green, you know, between these two trees, you know, I could fly it in behind the green, you know, a green and behind between these two trees to get to a spot if I need to, or fly yeah. it a little hot. So you can get to so many different spots and quickly. Yeah. Hey, you You're can stand in one spot and fly around the whole course and, and, uh, and shoot. You could. Yeah. I mean, unless you got a, you know, unless you got a maneuver it between trees or low or, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, cause I shoot from all different heights, you know, mm -hmm. it's 10 feet, 20, you know, 50, 100. Um, so you can make much more, you can be much more efficient with your time. Yeah. So I'll tell you, Evan, one of the uh, segments that we do on the show and uh, we like to have fun with this is talk about funny or embarrassing golf stories. Now, it could be a playing story or it could be a photography story or maybe both. Uh, anything come to mind when I say funny or embarrassing? Funny or embarrassing? Uh, well, I got a couple. How many do you want? <laughs> We're all ears. You're making us laugh. Uh, you tell okay. as many as you want. So I'm playing in the U.S. So I qualified for the U.S. Open in 1986 at Chinnacock. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, the year Ray Floyd won. Um, and about a couple of my buddies qualified as well. Hmm. So we're going out, and I, I'm not sure what day it was. Um, we're going out to play a practice round. We're on the first tee. And I think there was three or four of us. But anyway, I was – so one guy gets up, he hits – Next guy gets up, he hits. Third guy gets up, he hits, and I'm hitting last. And as I walk up to the tee to hit, Norman and Trevino walk up to the tee. Now, that's the year Norman led all every major going into the last round. Yeah. Wow. And Yeah. So they walk up pretty close behind us, you know, like looking at us like, who are you guys? Get out of the way kind of thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm teed on my ball and here's these two guys standing behind me, you know, they're, you know, they're giving you the golf lean on their clubs or their bags or, you know, and they're just standing there. You could like, <laughs> it's almost like you feel them breathing down your neck. Yeah. And my buddies are laughing. They are just laughing because they know it's like, this is my U S open right now. Right. So to get up and hit the ball where these guys are right. standing right behind you, like breathing down your neck. And my buddies over there laughing their asses off. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a, I don't know if I thought it was funny at the moment. That is funny. You know what? Thanks yeah. for sharing that. That's a, that's the year Lanny Watkins and uh, I guess Chip Beck finished second. Yeah. Uh, so, and that was over at Shinnecock and Shinnecock being for those who don't know, or is in New York, it's a, uh, U.S. renowned golf course oh, yeah. uh, hosted many, many events, uh, both on the professional and the amateur side. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, how about in photography? Uh, anything happened? Uh, any drone crashes or anything along those lines? I was going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was a couple. Nothing that's, you know, nothing that's really. But there right. was one. There was one incident in a helicopter in Ireland. Um, so we were at Old Head and the, the people Old Head had a, um, had a helicopter down there and they were doing, I don't know, they were filming a commercial uh -huh. and they said to me, do you, you know, they're gonna go up early and shoot, but not for that long. Do you wanna go up in the helicopter and take some photos afterwards? Right. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So at the time I was still shooting film and I had a Hasselblad camera and it had this back that would attach to it that you loaded the film on. And you would only get 
10 or 12 shots per roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'd have to put a new back on or load the back. Um, so I think I had three or four backs, right? So you could just pop them off and pop them on. And I had showed my, my wife was with me and I had showed her how to load these backs. So I said, okay, I'll be shooting. I'll take the back off. I'll give it to you. You take the film out and load it with new film. And then, so we can keep going. Right. So we're getting ready to take off and, you know, you take the doors off the helicopter so I can just, <laughs> and they strap us in and, yeah. And the, the pilot gives us a speech before he takes off. You know, that rotor is going around at so many RPMs and blah, blah, blah. He goes, you cannot let anything go out that window because if it hits one of the rotors going that fast, blah, 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 and we're going down, right? Great. So, so, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So now she's scared to death. I'm like, you know, and I have the camera with a strap around my neck, and so I'm not worried about that. So we take off. And I'm taking photos and she's, I'm giving her a back and she's giving me backs and building them. And that, but the film came in these like cellophane packages. So you had to take it out of this cellophane package. And then it was a little like rat thing around it that stopped the film from unwinding. So you take that and she was, you know, unwrap it, shove it in her pocket, unwrap it, shove it in her pocket. Well, her pockets were getting so full she was afraid to put anything else in there because she didn't want it to fly out. She was afraid of one of these little wrappers would go out the window, out the door. So she didn't know what to do with them. So she started eating them. (laughs) What? (laughs) The cellophane? Oh my God. She started eating the wrappers from the film. Okay. (laughs) You you got, you got to feed your wife. You know, you She's can't still do here that to, to talk about it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure That's... she wasn't hungry after that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I said, I, I looked I, and I went, "Where'd you? Where'd the wrappers go?" Yeah, and, and those, yeah. you know, loading. If if you know, we're old enough to remember loading film into a camera. And I remember, you know, doing that with my dad or myself in in high school or college. But it wasn't easy to load the film because you had to get them real, get it on oh, the reel, yeah. and then reel it up. And sometimes it gets stuck. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's not an easy process by any means. It's no. not just like um, uh, your cell phone these days, you just pick one of these up and you could ad- do all the adjustments. And that being the digital cameras today are, are very, very uh, user-friendly. Well, yeah. the, the digital cameras have this wonderful feature called autofocus. So yeah. um, <laughs> most yeah, people there just no, there was that. no there was no autofocus on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it had the one had the film on the reel, then you had a pull it across the uh, the back of the back, you know, where the where the plate was, and then you had to you know catch it on the other reel, yeah, and wind it, make sure it was tight, and be right. careful to remove it properly so you don't accidentally expose uh, yep. anything, and uh, so. Yep. And you don't know how this, how your shots are going to come out because the, you know, depending on the aperture and how much you're opening and closing the lens, and and you'd have a light meter on some of those, right? There's a light meter inside yeah. that you could see you use, but it's you're kind of winging it. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. There's a lot of, um, it was a lot of film shot. As one photographer said to me, he goes, "Film is cheap. Your time is not." Yeah. So fire away. And he would say, you know, bracket, 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 meaning, you know, okay, two stops, you know, underexposed, two stops, overexposed, and then shoot what you think is right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say a quarter, you know, anywhere between a quarter and a third stop above and a quarter and a third stop below. Yeah. And just cover yourself. And, yeah. you know, hopefully get one in there that's good. <laughs> then what kind of equipment are you using today in terms of drones and, and cameras and, um, especially what your payload is on that drone. Yeah. So the drone is, uh, it's actually right over there. Inspire two. Okay. uh, DJI Inspire two. Yeah. And I use the, um, X five S and the X seven cameras, both of them. Okay. Use the X five S for stills because I think the still photos on that are a little sharper than they are on the X seven video, I think is a little bit better on the X seven. So, yeah. Uh, travel with not always both of them but if i have to do video i'll travel with both of them and i have various lenses and one of the things i like about that drone is the interchangeable lenses yeah 
mm. you know, wide, or I can go to a 50 millimeter, which gives me some compression. Um, yeah. So, and uh, as far as a camera, just a, my DSLR camera, I have a Fuji GX, uh, GFX 100. Okay. So it's a 100 meg- megapixel camera. So, yeah, the Inspire can handle uh, pretty good winds. Uh, oh, yeah. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I've had it out at Old Head um, when it was howling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little challenging landing it, but. Yeah, that's okay. Just just crash it down into a green. <laughs> I've almost had to. They actually yeah. had to go go find a like a dune or something or a hill to go behind the hill and land it because it was so windy. I couldn't, you know, wow. I was afraid of catching an edge and having it flip over. You yeah, ever had that's one? That's happened a couple times. Have you ever had one run away on you? Nope. Nope. Yeah. No, no, that's good. One. Neither have I. But never um, had one. You know, I had I had a prop fly off on one. Yeah. Oh, and it still landed fine. No, no. <laughs> it was actually, I was out in, in Arkansas at the Elotion Club and this beautiful Tom Fazio, it's like they call it the Augusta of Arkansas. I've actually, um, uh, what Stevens, who used to be the chairman of Augusta, his son built the course. Okay. Jack Stevens' Jack Stevens yeah. son. Um, it was the second morning and I, t- and I had, it was a big job. I had to shoot all 18 video and still. So it was, you know, I was going to be there for five days. I take off the prop flies off. Yeah. So wow. first, my first takeoff in the morning, takeoff gets about 15, 20 feet in the air. The prop flies off. I didn't even know what happens. And the thing plunges right into the ground. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. At least yeah, that would have got hurt. That was a yeah. little scary. Jeez. Yeah. That uh, I flew mine into a, bird bath once um <laughs> so that took it right out of the air but uh, yeah. luckily it didn't do much damage um, so, you, so all these all these courses evan uh have have you been out to augusta at all yeah yes uh, and what that what was that experience like maybe you could uh, tell us uh yeah uh, uh, what time of year that was and uh how that experience was uh, going there uh there's a well, lot of uh, red tape we know uh, getting to that course and making things happen in any shape or form yeah, it was um, it was it was for the masters. I was um, hired by Golf Digest because Golf Digest publishes the Masters Journal, mm-hmm. right? And um, they, well, I don't know if they still do, but they used to hire a photographer. They they have their staff photographers, but then they would hire a photographer to do like special assignments for them. And I had some friends who worked at Golf Digest who suggested me. Uh, so I went there, I think it was six years, 2005 to 2010. Um, yeah. So you're there for the whole week walking up and down those hills and they're hills, yeah. <laughs> serious hills. There. Oh yeah. Um, and just, you know, not so much capturing the action, although I did, but you know, just all, and I was kind of free to shoot a lot of stuff and I would have some special assignments, uh, take pictures of this event or that, or, yeah, uh, be in the first TU and Arnold Palmer's T, you know, s- stuff like that. Um, yeah, oh, great. That was fun. And then I actually did go there once to shoot the course for Golf Magazine. Yeah, right before the right before the Masters. Oh, very cool. Mm. Yeah, did you so, get to play? I did actually. Wow. Um, yeah. My last year there, they have a um, they have a raffle um, yeah. for the media. Uh, you know, writers, photographers, and TV people. And you, when you get there, you sign in, you put your name in, in a hat, basically, and they pick some, you know, on Sunday, they pick out a number of people. I think 40 people get to play. Mm. Yeah. You get cool. to, uh, you know, you get to drive, go in, you, you get your little invitation. Um, you get to drive up Magnolia Lane. You get to go in the champion's locker room, change your, you know, shoes and have, oh, lunch, and have lunch in the champion. Yeah. So it's, it's nice. And then, well, we know. had a guest named uh, Johan Benson who works for uh, RDS sports in Montreal, which is the uh, French TSN or the equivalent of ESPN in the right. U S and he got chosen. He went out and shot three under and, <laughs> and uh, he had the best experience of his life. So he told us all about that and what that felt like uh, being, being treated like a member and playing the course yeah. is true. It's really a privilege, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, my first year I went, I was advised to bring my clubs 
because they said, well, they, they told me they have this raffle and you could get chosen. So I went, you know, year one, nothing, year two, nothing, year three, nothing, year four, nothing, year five, nothing. And I was like, and I would look at the names on the list and I'm like, all right, this is a random draw, right? Yeah. You know, I'm sure some of it was, but not all of it. Yeah. Right. And I said, I probably need more seniority or something here to get chosen. And I was like, so my last year, I said, you know what? I'm not bringing my clubs. Uh oh. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> Murphy's Law. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So I remember on Sunday, a buddy of mine was walking out of the media center and I'm walking in and he goes, Congratulations. Like, for what? He goes, You're playing tomorrow. I went, No, playing. I'm playing. Oh, crap. <laughs> you, know, you think you'd be overjoyed to be playing And I go, Oh, yeah. crap. So I actually That's- had to go. I, I had to go rent clubs. I had yeah. like Monday morning. I had to go find a, you know, like Nevada Bob's. I called around all the clubs, nothing, 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 you know, and they're all closed on Monday. So I went and rented some clubs. I bought a couple of wedges. I bought some golf shoes, I bought balls, a glove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah. got to do what you have to do. Yeah. And how did you end up playing? Uh, not bad. I shot one yeah. over. Okay. Oh, that's very respectable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very respectable. But I, I guess you guys aren't playing from the back tees or playing from the uh, members' tees, I suppose. Yeah, it was somewhere in between. I, a couple holes, a couple holes, we snuck back. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you yeah, want to yeah, get yeah. that perspective and get that shot yeah, that you see on television yeah, I, all the time. I was, I was a little, I was looking around because you never know who's watching you out there. Yeah. Now you don't want to break any rules. You'll never be invited back. Right. <laughs> If you're just joining us, we're talking to Evan Schiller, a golf photographer. You can see his work on uh, evanschillerphotography.com. You can also see his uh, calendar and other work. Uh, Evan, where else can we see your work? Is there anywhere else that we could go, be it social media or uh, any books yeah. that we could uh, that you would suggest? Uh, I don't know if any books. I did a book on golf courses in Hawaii, but that was like eons ago. I don't know. It's not. It's out of print, out of publishing print mm-hmm. um i would say the best place is yeah on my website or on social media uh instagram i'm pretty active on instagram um evan schiller photography you just type in evan schiller or evan schiller photography you find me um i post g- generally daily there um mm-hmm. and you know if i'm on a trip i'll you know post some stuff on my stories or whatever and you know um yeah, I'm on every, and I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn. Oh, perfect. And everyone, uh, everyone, you have uh, about 800 or more prints available on your website uh, and just uh, images, uh, but you also have these metal uh, frames that look beautiful. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's actually, there's two of them behind me right there. Yeah, no, I, I was going to ask if, <laughs> if that's the product there because I'm definitely keen on. Uh, getting something uh, in the hey, future. Mike, maybe we could uh, buy something and do a giveaway for our listeners. Uh, maybe That's the calendar. That's a great idea. Maybe yeah. we get a calendar and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll buy one off of uh, Evan and we'll uh, do a giveaway. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, um, but yeah, you've got a lot of great products. And and how are those uh, metal prints selling? Like the, it looks like a great keepsake. Yeah. The, well, actually, there's two... There's two types of metal prints. Those there's metal prints, but then there's a product they have called Epic Metal Prints. Yeah. Uh, and those two behind me are Epic Metal Prints, um, and the process is a little bit different than a metal print. And actually, so metal print is actually it's not actually printed. It's what they do is they use this specially treated aluminum or metal with it has special dyes in it. Mm-hmm. And so they take a like a regular photograph, and they they uh, with pressure they push the metal against the regular fo- heat and pressure, and so the dyes are infused into the metal. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's not actually printed. It's in, it's actually in the metal, infused into the metal. Um, with an epic metal print, it's the it actually is a print. So they have there's a print on this paper this high definition paper called yeah. called fuji archive fuji flex archival paper mm. um it it almost looks like a piece of glass a flex yeah. imagine a flexible piece of glass 
they and they printed at 600 dpi most wow. most prints are made at 300 dpi right. so this is twice so the the resolution is amazing and then they mount it to a piece of metal different metal than they use the regular yeah. metal prints. okay um, it's like a it's like a placking process i suppose right yeah mm. um the the colors and the definition tend to be a little bit better than just the metal prints i mean they're both beautiful okay. um the epic metal prints the colors pop a little more especially the greens um there were you know they're just a little more depth to them you know yeah. when you look at it it's just has this silky kind of look and feel to it yeah yeah uh, and i'm assuming they'll last a long time yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. not going to they, fade. Just, they have a coating over them as well. Yeah. Oh, that that's great. They they look really sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a career, you know, Evan. It's uh, really really amazing to have you on. We're we're thrilled to to hear about your stories. You know, oh. the, this is a perspective that many of our viewers and listeners uh, never get um, because you have a it's a unique opportunity to talk to somebody who's not only played the game. Who's an instructor? I, I've been an instructor for over uh, 22 oh, years now. Yeah. Um, Mike is an avid player. Uh, not only that, he's a one of the top amateur players in BC. So, uh, nice. and we're we're well, old uh, playing buddies. Uh, so settle settle down there. <laughs> <laughs> some days I'm good. Some days I'm shit. <laughs> like all like yeah. all of us. Yeah. But uh, what a career! So th thanks for joining us, Mike. Would oh, you like yeah. to uh, finish off by? Uh, giving our viewers and listeners uh, some thoughts. Absolutely. Um, you know, you'll be able to find this show right away on YouTube if you're uh, not watching it already. And by as of tomorrow, it'll be up on all the podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please uh, hit subscribe, like, share, follow, all of that. Any engagement would be appreciated. Um, and, and no, that's great. And, and, and thanks again, Evan, for joining us. Oh, and yeah. Oh, thank you for having yeah. me on. This is awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Guys. We'll send you the links to this. If, if you don't mind uh, a retweet or, or anything yeah, like that, awesome. it's uh, awesome. much appreciated. And uh, uh, we'll definitely uh, maybe grab a few calendars off you uh, for some giveaways over uh, the uh, upcoming fall season here. Awesome. Thanks, Amazing. Yeah. So make sure you tune in evanschillerphotography.com for Evan Schiller, Michael Bleakley. I'm Raphael Kalmat, and you've been listening and watching the Golf Podcast Live. See you next week. Okay. Thanks, everybody.